0: The Music Biz Weekly with Michael Brandvold. Music marketing tips, advice, and discussions. Do you need assistance with your next release? Are you looking for help with your digital strategy? Do you need help getting the most out of your social media? Do you have questions on how to find more fans? Contact Michael at www.michaelbrandvold.com. I want to welcome to the Music Biz Weekly, Vicky Hamilton. Vicki, um, I want to give you the opportunity. I've read your, I, I, I am very familiar with yourself. I'm, I am a, a, rock and roll child of the '80s. I grew up on, on <laughs> '80s rock. So your name, um, is something, someone I very, I'm very familiar with. But, but for, for people who didn't grow up during the '80s, about giving us a five minute who um, Vicki Hamilton is, and some of the bands you've worked with.
1: Hmm, well, I've been in the music as long as I can remember, um, but I started working as a manager when I was about, I'm going to say, 18, and I managed my boyfriend's band, and that's how it, like, started. And uh, I was a record buyer at um, two stores in Indiana, and then I moved to Los Angeles and uh, was a record buyer for the Liquor's Pizza record store chain. And that's when I met Nikki Six from Motley Crue, and I became a management consultant to Motley Crue when they had their leather record come out. So this, Under, this, is, this um, is
0: before Electra. This is before their big record deal.
1: Yes. Um, they actually remixed the leather record and put it out right. on, on um, Electra. Um, I worked for their first manager, who was Alan Kaufman before Doc McGee and Doug Taylor. So, you know, I did a lot of their display merchandising and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, started shopping their demo, never mind that I didn't really know a lot of industry people back then, but I just did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, after Motley Crue, I was a management consultant to Striper, the Christian rock band. Sure. And, and then I went to work at a agency um, called Silver Lining Entertainment when a guy named Axel Rose walked in with a band called Ho- Hollywood Rose. And I booked Hollywood Rose for a while. Then I managed Poison. And that was, you know, pre-Enigma Records and um, with guitar player Matt Smith. And after Poison, I managed Guns N' Roses. And that was pre-Geffen deal. And then they got the deal at Geffen and I started doing A&R at Geffen. But I was still managing bands also. I managed faster pussycat and got them a deal at Electra Records and I managed Salty Dog who consequently signed with Geffen Records and um had Darley Cruel, who signed with Polygram Records. And uh then I did A and R at Geffen and after that I went to lookout management and managed the Wheelers, and um um I signed a band called Getting Red, who then became Portable as a manager, and then they signed to TBT Records. And let's see, after that. <laughs> that's I a lot of bands.
0: That's a lot of name bands you've got. A lot of bands,
1: and I'm skipping bands because there were a lot of bands that were you know, signed to Geffen while I was there, like Let, Rick Parker I signed from Lions and Ghost, When
0: and, When you were at... At Geffen, was that around um, the time Little Caesar was at Geffen? I only asked because Ron yep. Young, Ron Young um, has kind of a rotating returning guest spot on this show. He does comes Oh in yeah. And talks business. A Definitely.
1: Lot I signed a band called Little Napoleon, and then at a marketing meeting, David Geffen said, Perfect. We'll put Little Caesar, Little America, and Little Napoleon on a little tour. <laughs> and at that point, at that point, I knew that I had to change their name, and it became I Napoleon. I remember that band.
0: <laughs> it 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 is funny. It's like back in the eighties, everybody either had white or little in names,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> so then after that, I like um, I worked at Lookout and Vapor, and then I went to Capitol Records with Gary Gersh and was an A and R consultant there. And at the same time, I started my own record label called Small Hairy Dog, and I only signed one artist, which was June Carter Cash, and that record won a Grammy, so, wow, you know, and I still manage acts today, and, um, you know, I'm doing, I'm a blogger, and I've just written a book as well, and I've written a musical play and a couple of screenplays, so. That's kinda what I've been up to for my entire life, but a little much to comprehend probably <laughs> it,
0: it, yeah it it's a lot it's a lot to take in in a in a thirty minute um interview here but let 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 so you've you've seen the music industry change completely i mean you know when when you were involved back in the eighties i mean that's money was flowing record labels you know were signing anything and everything and bands were getting advances and tour support. And, um, and now you fast forward to today and that's all gone and it's never, it's never coming back. Um,
1: yeah, it's never going to be like that, but you know, I think, I think we're on the way to, like, making something better, and the good news is artists are kind of in control of their own careers again, so.
0: That's what I wanted to ask yeah. you is, so, you know, having been there where, where um, you know, the record label pretty much is, is the puppet master of everything, controlled all of these bands, and the bands were basically just, told what to do and you know they had managers and publicists and marketing people and record labels you know they everybody was doing it for them till today where bands basically have to wear all of those hats on their own um what which which is a you know taking out the fact that there could be just a boat boatload of money thrown at you in the 80s from a business standpoint from a, a band development which one do you think is better for a band for a career for for developing
1: your music? You mean as opposed to how it was then as it is now? Yeah, yeah is that I what mean, you're it is,
0: is, yeah is, is, um, is today a better time to be a band because as you said, you now have control?
1: Well, you know, I think it's like both pro and con. I mean the good news about today's market is that, you know, you can go global just from the standpoint of having YouTube videos. Um, The bad news in that is that there's no mystery left. Like, you know, there will never be another Led Zeppelin where, you know, ooh, they are touring with Alistair Crawley and, you know, the... Black magic and all that stuff. I mean, in today's market, everything's instantaneous. You can like just you know Google it up and find out what's going on. Um, as my friend Brian Pierre at Cleopatra Records said to me when I interviewed him, it's like it's like Christmas and all the packages are unwrapped. You know, there yep. is no more mystery. <laughs> no,
0: you're, you're you're right. I mean, listen, I grew up I grew up as a huge Kiss fan in the '70s, and I spent a number of years working for Kiss there there there's no mystique left. Kiss if Kiss yeah. came out today it would have never worked. You you couldn't you couldn't hide your identities. Every like you said, you just google and you'll find somebody's entire history on on Wikipedia. So um a, you know from from a from a marketing standpoint, you know, it's it's a very different world, but isn't it a more exciting world for the band to know I interviewed Mark Slaughter a couple weeks ago and he's releasing his own his solo, for first solo album and he's doing it all on his own. You know, sure. doesn't that say something to a band that um, you can do this all on your own? You don't need, well, I mean, you don't need I a label Geffen to Geffen get into Records. iTunes.
1: When I worked at Geffen Records, they had like 300 employees. I mean, with the Ge- the Geffen label now, I doubt if there's even five employees. You know, it's like, The major labels are down to like skeleton staff and, you know, they're going to pretty much outsource whatever they have anyway to, you know, PR companies and radio people or whatever. So if you're a band, why not do that yourself? And I've spent a lot of time over the last three or four years learning about YouTube and videos. And, you know, I do a blog called the aesthetic fee blog where I just talk to people about the creative process because that's what fascinates me. And, uh, you know, I think that if you're a band today, you need to like have the fifth member of the band be a social media person that really knows how to like do Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and, make that all roll, you know. I'm sure there's, like, new social media things that are important, too, that I don't know about, but, you know, it seems to be ever-evolving. Yeah, you, you know... know w- even even President Obama is, like, into it now. It's like, I have a friend that works at Google, and he's presenting some stuff at the White House, I think, today about how makers and creators at YouTube work, you know. <laughs> right,
0: right. You know, ba- ba- back in the 80s um, to... To f- to acquire fans, you needed that big industry machine to do that for you. But today, um, it's it's much easier to acquire fans, whether it's through Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or Instagram or, or Tumblr or Medium or you know Vine. Your fans are out there. Right. You just you have to want to put the work into going out there to find them, and and it won't. It won't cost you know two million dollars in some marketing budget to buy ads in you know Rolling Stone and Spin and Metal Edge and all every magazine at the time Rip magazine you know that that's how you did it back then. Now you can you can do it on a very low budget um,
1: effort. Yeah, during my Guns N' Roses days, I got my first fax machine and I was like enamored with it. I was just like this is going to like change my life <laughs> no more running artwork around town to run ads you know I could just like back it on over there just <laughs> you know or paperwork for contracts or whatever well, <laughs> I mean so the com- the computer is both a you know a blessing and a curse all in the same <laughs>
0: oh yeah yeah I mean I you, you've got to look at it as a tool you know, you know, a guitar mm-hmm. is a tool for creating music. You know, the computer is a tool for promoting yourself. It's, it, you know, the computer isn't going to do it by itself, no more than buying a, a very expensive guitar is going to write the song for you. Um, You know, looking back at, at, at where you came from in the 80s, whether it was with, with Motley Crue or Poison or, or Guns N' Roses, are there some lessons you learned back then that are very applicable to today?
1: Oh boy yes, a lot. Let's see where to start with it um, Well, back then I used to party and I don't anymore. I've been clean and sober for 15 years and you know for anybody that's in this business, I would like suggest being clean and sober. Because, you know, it just seems like the drugs and the alcohol come for you easily, you know, in the entertainment business. So, keep a cool head, whatever that means to you. Um, also, be true to your uh, creative self. Like, I honestly believe if you're true to your own creativity, the time comes around with you and not try to fit into the niche, niche of the moment. Um Because, you know, you could be at the end of a, uh, you know, a time period of where something is happening and then you change to fit that and then you'll miss the next loop of things because you've tried to fit into whatever's happening in that current moment. Um, Let's see. Uh, Be kind to everyone because, you know, this is a business of relationships and, you know...
0: The, the, old, the old terminology. That of, don't don't well, burn like, bridges.
1: Yeah, don't burn bridges, and you know because the people you burn will be waiting for you with long knives on the way down. Um, let's see what else. Uh, read contracts. Don't do <laughs> that, handshake that, deals. Boy, that, that, Put everything that hasn't, in writing. That hasn't changed, um, has
0: it? Read your contracts.
1: Yeah, and if you don't understand it, get a lawyer to, like, explain it to you. I mean, in the early days of the industry, I was a little intimidated by lawyers and would read things and just, like, you know, believe them. But, you know, I find as I get older, I'm almost like a lawyer. It's like I kind of understand things more now, but back then I didn't. So, you know, I wish I would have asked more questions. get, Get a lawyer that...
0: Is a different lawyer than the one at the record label or whoever's presenting you the contract.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's illegal for a lawyer to represent the label and the band, but, you know, but I had a scenario go down wouldn't, like uh, that. That, wouldn't <laughs> that <stop laughs> them. was questionable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't don't take the lawyer that the record company suggested for you because, you know, they're buddies. They're like, you know, lawyers hanging clicks. So. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, So, you know, bands like um, Motley Crue and Poison were known for their over-the-top image, marketing, promotion. You know, is that something that you see is still very important?
1: Um, Yes, I think the marketing is certainly important. And over-the-top, that's going to get you noticed quicker than anything, but again, you know, the internet has kind of uh, taken away the mystique of things, but you know, what's the guy from YouTube say to you? I have this friend, Andy Stack at YouTube, he was like, okay, the, the videos that will go viral are the ones that are shocking, informative, um, sexy. Uh, There was one other thing And now I can't remember Oh well Well those are three of the things That go viral Funny Um, You know And also You have to find What your golden thread is That sews the project all together It's like When you make your record What is that chord That sews all your songs together That makes it your staple Of who the band is you know at 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 at
0: what point um is it important for a band to bring in their first manager and and and, and I'm and I'm ta- I'm not talking about the girlfriend being the manager or mom being the manager because that's more of an assistant that's your, you. you're bringing, you know, if your girlfriend's doing it, they're, they're just helping you. But I mean, when, when do you need to really think about bringing somebody in, in the true capacity? I don't know. I mean,
1: I, I think that, that, you know, I think that could be different in different scenarios. I mean, for a pop artist, you almost need a manager out of the gate because that's like a big corporate sort of deal when, You're trying to break a pop artist, so you need somebody that can talk to brands and radio people and marketing people and all that. If you're a rock band, things are a little more organic and you can take your time and, like, start playing around before you take on a manager. Um, Yeah, I think it really depends on when you're ready for a manager. Are you in and the... some bands are are very good at self management. They they don't even ever need a manager. So I think it's different for everyone, you know?
0: Are you of the belief that when you're ready to be managed, managers will find you?
1: Um Yeah, to some degree if you're playing out, you know. Hopefully it's the right manager and not, you know, Broadway, Danny Rose. Basically. Well, all right.
0: So that 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 that's a good point. So you know, you've 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 carried a lot, wore a lot of hats in the industry, especially managers. What what is the difference between a right manager and a wrong manager? What are some things to look out for when you're looking at that very first manager? Because obviously, if uh, if, well, if, if me, you've already broken manager. and you're already successful. You've probably got lawyers and other people that can, can advise you, but if if you don't have that and it's just four guys in a band talking to this person, what do you look for? What are some flags to be careful for?
1: Well, honestly, I think the best person to manage the band is the person most enthusiastic about the band, and that could be a girlfriend or a mom, by the way, you know. Um But doesn't a manager
0: need to have some some contacts in the industry? I mean, your girlfriend might love the band of death, but but, everybody
1: like starts somewhere, you know. It's like, I know a band that's on the way up that a mom is managing. She's doing a great job. I mean, I don't know that I would be able to do as good of a job as she's doing with them, you know, because she's very enthusiastic and she loves them, and she's very protective, and she came from a marketing background, so, you know, she took to it, you know, like a duck to water. Right. Um, you know, and then there's, managers that, the snaky managers yeah. who, like, will take on tons of bands, and just see what sticks, and do nothing, you know? What, 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 the what, are, some, what are
0: some of the, the things that would potentially identify, as you said, a snaky manager? You know, is there is there deals or there terms or there contracts that you sit here and go, if they're presenting that to you, they're just a snake?
1: Well, if they've got, like, a huge roster of people and they won't give you any um, references, that's probably a clue that nobody's happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh Yeah, and they also want to, like, tie you up so tight in paper that, you know, they have you for sunset clauses and they have you, you know, for a percentage of, you know, merch and publishing till, like, the end of time sort of thing. I mean, you know, I haven't really gotten rich off this business. I do it because I love music and bands and things. Um... I'm a little tougher now than I used to be, but I never sign a band for more than five years because I just think that, you know, everyone should be able to reevaluate in five years, whether they want to stay together or not stay together. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that you just intuitively know in your gut if somebody's like trying to take you for a ride or not, you know? Right,
0: right, right. Um, let me, this is a little different direction of a question. So you, you were involved in Guns N' Roses at the very beginning of the band. And obviously mm-hmm. everybody listening knows the history of Guns N' Roses. And, and, you know, they've gone their separate ways. And, you know, he said this and he said that and they don't like this. Um, what's it take for a band to be brought back together? You know that that's, that's that's an interesting observation. As in, you know, when you have a band that are we talking about up, Guns and
1: Roses? Or yeah, are we yeah. Generalizing? Well, I mean, you uh. can you
0: can use Guns and Roses as the example because obviously we all know their story. Even what was it, Slash this week or last week was saying all of a sudden, well, he thinks that might be kind of fun to do a reunion now. What does it take to pull parts back together? I mean, does it does it really well, become more of just a business? Well, I think it takes a like a,
1: it's it's really no. It it gets down to the core of the band. I mean, in the instance of Guns and Roses, the only thing that's going to put that back together is if they get in a room and decide to do it. And you know, there's been a lot of hard feelings between mostly Flash and Axl, so it's like they would have to agree. On some kind of terms, you know. But
0: but do you think do you think for a lot of bands? I mean, obviously, when you're talking about doing a, a reunion, you're a band that there's a reason to do a reunion because you know there's a lot of bands out there that people just like. Who cares if they get back together? So does does it really? I mean, obviously, there's got to be a little bit of a personality adjustment of whatever the whatever the issues were have to be overcome. But really, does 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 business does money does a deal help that be overcome? Does the deal help Ace Fraley and Peter Criss come back into Kiss more than the love of playing with them? You you see what I'm saying?
1: Uh, I think they all have to remember why they were a band to begin with, and you know, in the case of Guns N' Roses, they've been offered so much money to like do reunion tour that obviously it isn't the money. Um, you know, honestly, I just don't think that, you know, any band that's going to do a reunion, it has to go just between the core guys. No industry person's going to, like, be able to, like, make that happen, you know. It's really about why were they a band to begin with.
0: It's it's sort of like go back to that very first rehearsal room, throw, throw the band members and only the band members in there, lock the door, and let them work it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely, you know. And, you know, the press is on a big string of everybody can put Guns N' Roses back together, and I guess it's like a great press angle, but I never said I could put them back together, and all of a sudden it was me putting them back together. (laughs) And I know that happened to Doug Goldstein and Mark Kenner and... I think it's Tom Zutat's turn this week. You know, whatever. You know, it's like nobody's going to be able to do that but them. So. <laughs> all, all of these outside
0: people can bring the deal to the band, but the band is the one that's got to smooth it out.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: So, so Vicky, what? Um, where, where, where can people? Well, let me ask you this: Are you um, looking? for new acts all the time? If there's a band that's interested, will you take solicitations or or do you not look for solicitations?
1: Um, I do a lot of management consulting on like an hourly basis. Okay. And, you know, I do it on a monthly basis as well. Am I really looking? Not really, you know. I mean, when something really good comes my way, you know, I say I'm available this way or that way. I'm only, like, managing two projects right now, which is Diana Meyer and um, co-managing Talk Like June, but I management consult, like, you know, five bands. Sure. And it's basically like being a manager, but, you know, I don't have contracts with them. They pay me monthly, and that's it. They're free, you know?
0: Right, They're free and clear. Um, where where can people find you online? What, what what's the best way to reach out to you? Website, email address.
1: Um, well, I have three websites and they all hit at the same landing page. It's um, VickiHamilton.com, dot com, dot com, and dysfunction dot com, which is my book.
0: So yeah, let's 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 talk about the book you're working on. What's what's I I I I we can all assume that based on the title it it has something to do with your time with Guns and Roses.
1: Well, it's actually my memoir and an autobiography and you know, it covers my whole life in the music business but appetite for dysfunction kind of covers my whole career <laughs> it's like it's one one dysfunctional tale into the next
0: <laughs> so is is this is this going to be the type of book that's filled with rock star stories or are there going to be some good um takeaway lessons that you know a young band reading this I hope can it's learn? all of
1: that I hope it's all of that I mean you know uh, there's a lot of like tell-all books, but they're usually written by people that have slept with a lot of rock stars. I mean, my tell-all is about telling all about what's happened in the music business for me. I mean, I grew up in Indiana and moved to California when I knew like two people. So, you know, I literally grew up on the streets, you know, in California. So,
0: and 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 when's your book going to be available?
1: I'm hoping it's going to be out by August. I'm, like, doing the final edit right now, and it's like I'm at the mercy of two editors. So it's like when they say it's done, it's done. And we're starting to, like, you know, lay it out and... Is, is this a
0: uh, <laughs> Kickstarter project? How, you know, can people go somewhere to pre-order it or get and get
1: more information? Um, I did a Pub Flush campaign, which is a literary Kickstarter. Okay. And it was really good. I, you know, I raised $7,500 in a month and, um, you know, it's a, affording me to hire Maxine Miller to do the artwork and I've got Catherine Truman as one of my editors and, uh, you know, I got a guy that laid out a lot of books, laying it out, and Robert John's taking my photo for it. I mean, you know, it's going to be a nice book. It's I'm very excited about it. And I've been working on it for seven years. And, you know, I told stories about all the bands I've worked with, famous and unfamous, because you don't have to be famous to have funny stories. Sure.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course not. Of course not.
1: Um, so
0: if, if somebody wants to get information on how to purchase the book, just go to com.
1: Yes. I, I, the appetite for dysfunction is like brand new, the website. So as I have more things, more information will be available and I will be doing a pre-order, but I haven't put that up yet.
0: Okay. Awesome. Vicky. Well, you know, Vicky, I appreciate you, um, taking the time out of your, your day today. You're in Nashville working with one of your bands and, uh, you know, it's, it's great picking the brain of somebody who, who has, has seen this transition of the music industry and get, get your thoughts on it. I think this was a, uh, a great little discussion.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Has the Music Biz Weekly helped your career? I'd love for you to leave us a review and rating on an Apple iTunes. Visit http colon forward slash forward slash iTunes dot michaelbrandvold.com and leave your review. I read them all.